don't think people have a sense of trust anymore in who their government is and who represents them. And and I don't mean that in a, oh, government's bad sort of way. I mean, they genuinely don't trust foundational institutions. They don't trust the education system. They don't trust the media, uh, the fourth estate. They don't trust the government. Part of that accountability is the willingness to look within one's own party, to look within one's own systems and find honest answers with actual facts. You cannot, you can no longer argue that it isn't deadly. And as a matter of fact, being is how it's being pushed into a population that pretty much has zero risk uh, from a flu. That's, that's murder, that's genocide. No, don't try, I tell people don't trust people ever. If you trust someone, then you get complacent. So uh, just, constantly hope someone accountable. Before we get into the show, I want to share with you the Z-Stack, a powerful immunity-building vitamin pack formulated by Dr. Zelenko, the founder of the Zelenko Protocol. Many of you may have seen my interview with Dr. Zelenko explaining how the combination of quercetin and vitamin C together is a powerful zinc ionophore gun which delivers zinc, the bullet, into the cell where the virus is. Zinc blocks the virus from getting into the cell. Corsetin and vitamin C together are a safe over-the-counter alternative to hydroxychloroquine. Access to this is needed when government restricts and bans effective treatments. Also, it has been established that high normal levels of vitamin D is important for warding off sickness and staying out of the hospital. With the dangers of the COVID shot, we need a strong immune system to keep from getting sick. The danger is getting sick. That's when the effects of the bioweapon shot takes over. The Z-Stack will provide you with a defensive weapon to fight a potential virus. You can see the studies and also buy yours today at the link below or at sarahwestall.com under shop. I also highly recommend C60 gel caps, daily zeolite detox, and my probiotic greens to maintain a healthy body, all of which you can get at my shop at sarahwessel.com under shop. Welcome to Business Game Changers. I'm Sarah Westall. I have Jason Storm Chaser Nelson coming to the program. He's running for Congress in Texas, and I think he's a breath of fresh air. He's wants to get in there and fight and change things. You know, you never know until people get in there whether they have the courage to do what's necessary. But he sounds like he does. He's a veteran who actually is 100% disabled. And he just got out in time where he didn't have to take the vaccine. But we talk about all sorts of issues. And these are the issues all the congressmen, all the people need to be talking about. But regardless of where what you believe, we need people in there fighting, fighting for to change this, to change the crimes against humanity. So I think it's a really good discussion. Dr. Zelenko is who hooked me up with them, and he's his health advisor, which gives you an indication that this guy is the real deal, or I hope he is. Like he says, don't trust anybody. We have to look at their actions and keep hold them accountable while they're in office, and that's what we haven't been doing. We haven't been holding people accountable. You need to look at all the actions of the people who are in Congress if they don't do what they say they're going to do, get them out of there. And that's what we have to do. But of course, 
we have to fix our election process because you can't vote anybody out if they're fixing it anyways. And so we talk about that as well. Some of you might have noticed before we get into this that I have a little bit of a cold. Uh, I so Apparently, you know, my daughter's boyfriend has COVID and he was over and, and so everybody's sick and so supposedly we have COVID and I, whatever. I don't trust the, the tests. I kind of hope I have COVID if there's a such thing as a COVID versus flu because I want the antibodies. And then anybody that claims I should have got the vaccine, no matter how you look at the science, they're full of crap because the antibodies is stronger than anything any vaccine can do. That's been proven by science. So I hope I have this COVID thing that they claim is out here. But I got to tell you, I am pumping myself with C60 and with the Z-Stack so that I can get past this as soon as possible. And I never get sick. I shouldn't, you know, I should knock on wood here. I just don't get sick. And now all of a sudden I got this. And so I just want to get rid of it. It feels like a cold. I feel like I just have a flipping cold. So anyways, please go to my website, sign up for my newsletter. For those of you who've been following me on Apple Podcasts, it looks like my site was taken down my channel. I reinstated it, but now I have a different ID. So please go and resubscribe on Apple or somebody who doesn't censor. It's really frustrating when I wake up and people are telling me that it's missing and I can't get it back on. So I just created a new one and away we go, but I lost all my subscribers. So we'll see how long it takes to build that back up. But you know, my audio podcast is really growing. So maybe they just don't like that. I don't know. I'm just going to keep doing what I do and what I do best and bringing the truth the way I see it, you know, do the best I can and bring in people who are also doing the best they can. And they don't want to hurt others. They want things to be good. They want everybody to thrive but they just don't, they're sick and tired of people taking advantage of others and hurting people. We need to change this around. So anyways, I hope you enjoy this interview. It's a two-parter. It's pretty long. We get into all sorts of things. And I think every person who's running for Congress should have long interview format interviews like this and be asked tough questions and find out how they side on all these issues. So again, make sure you sign up for my newsletter, sarahwestall.com. And while you're there, support my affiliates. That's how I keep this thing going. And let's get into this really good conversation with Jason Stormchaser Nelson. Hi, Jason. Welcome to the program. Hi, thank you for having me. Well, you have been highly recommended for me to talk to. Uh, Zelenko, Dr. Zelenko is highly recommends you. He's your health advisor, I believe. And then other people have as well, because you are running for Congress in Texas and you're the real deal from what I'm hearing. What I, I, are, go, I, go ahead. To define what real deal is, but if you're, well, we'll, we'll if figure I'm it out. Say I am, then yes. Well, and, and more than that, you're not just, you're, you're not just some bad guy admitting to it. You're somebody who wants to go in there and fix, fix things. But let's talk about what are, what do you think is the most important things to fix? I mean, cause it's a, I, I've been covering this for a while. It is a swamp of swamps. I don't think swamp is a good enough word. I, 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 do you remember what a Sarlacc pit is from Star Wars? 
something like that you know yeah, I've it's heard. Where they're trying to job of the huts trying to toss them down it's something that just chews you up for a thousand years and it's unending torture i think that's what actually what washington dc is at this point and the dysfunctional with some other thing <laughs> right it's so funny whenever you have a race going on because you always have the incumbents coming back saying i'm there fighting for you and go ask any person in this country how do you think Congress is doing? And their answer is 9% of them will say, good job. That's horrible. I mean, would you go to a store that had 9% of customers saying it did a good job? <laughs> yeah. Well, I got to tell you, there was a study done by, um, I believe it was Stanford and Northwestern. And it was a just an objective study looking at how much the Congress votes with the people. And it was non-denominational, whether you were Democrat or Republican. And it showed that as a whole, Congress simply votes the way they want. And they, 85% of the time, they do not do what the people want, no matter what side of the aisle you're on. You know, Sarah, I'm out campaigning right now. And um, as I come across people, they always, you know, you, I think a lot of people tell them, this is what I'm going to do. That my response to people has always been, uh, what would you like me to do? What is your number one priority? And, and that's easy to say. That sounds like somebody who's campaigning, a politician. What I think is one of the largest things that people care about right now is the non-responsiveness of their elected members. It's every single person who gets elected. Not every, I mean, there are good people out there, and I don't want to lump everyone together, but they say they have these great intentions, and they're going to go in, and they're going to fix Washington, and then they become overwhelmed. And I think it's great to campaign on things, but being a person who understands what you're up against, what you're going to face, and, and excuse me if I make the analogy to battle all the time, but I did just retire from the army, but you're, you're going into battle. How are you prepared? What tools do you have? What weapons do you have available? What specialists do you have um, that you can deploy? And what are your limitations? And I think that as a person who's running right now, I look at it and I say, okay, what can we actually do? And what would I like to do long-term that directly impacts the people in the district? And when I say, what would I like to do? How can I accomplish the priorities, the legislative priorities that my district wants and that the American people want? And you can go in and do those things and follow the will of the people while also maintaining uh, constitutional uh, accuracy and, and staying and staying out of people's lives, finding a way, you know, in civil affairs, we always said you should work your way out of a job. Uh, government, uh, any good representative should be done working in about six years because it means they did everything they said they were going to do. And, well, and exactly. And that's what managers say. You, you don't really have a job if you do a good job because everybody else exactly. runs it for you. Right. But right. let's talk, let's talk about what your top priorities are because you're in, out of Texas. Immigration is absolutely huge. And then you also have, you just retired from the military, which I do want to talk about your own career, but we also had that Afghanistan debacle, which I know people in the military are very upset about. Uh, and there's so many other issues. I mean, that it goes on and on. So what do you believe are the number one issues that the people of the United States are dealing with at this point? So at the macro level, so if you're going to say federally, I think that there are a number of issues that people have. First of all, people know they're being lied to. They can sense it. They 
whether you're talking about COVID, it's amazing to me, even the news coming out today, uh, they've cut the quarantine from 10 to five days and their answer is, well, it'll help the economy. I mean, that's not what they were saying last year and they had the same information available, but that's an example. And I think people, they want to have an inherent trust in their elections. They want to have trust and faith that the people who are working in office uh, have their have good intentions and, and really want to solve root problems. And I don't think people have a sense of trust anymore in who their government is and who represents them. And, and I don't mean that in a, oh, government's bad sort of way. I mean, they genuinely don't trust foundational institutions. They don't trust the education system. They don't trust the media. Uh, the fourth estate. They don't trust the government. They don't. Well, do trust you blame the them? No, not at all. I, I mean, I, we have been we have been shown, we have been hand walked to the water to not trust them. They every action they've taken. Let's look at the pandemic, for example. Last year, uh, and I'm, I, I'm going to stop using air quotes, but anytime I say the word pandemic, I want you to put air quotes around it. We had a rather nasty flu. Uh, hit this country. We know where it came from. Uh, who doesn't believe that it was made in a lab in China? That's not controversial. That's it's the question is whether or not they made it and released it on purpose, or whether or not it was released by accident and they tried to cover it up. Or and it, how much? I got to add this: how much we were involved, Fauci and those guys. Well, absolutely. Fund it. Absolutely, and all of those things come to question. And and you know, part of foundation, I, fundamentally, I think what people have a problem with government is or a distrust. There's no one willing to say, this is where the mistakes happen. And even if that means my head has to roll, we have to lay out all the facts for everyone. Um, you know, I, I, you had asked what I would do uh, initially. My first initiative is before I even go into office, there's going to be a seat, um, an office in every single county. I have 11 counties in my district and every one of them is going to have a direct link to uh, uh, the ability to write legislation, the ability to get VA help, social security help and, and write to me. Why do I think that's important? Um, how many health decisions in this country right now are being made by the highest paid bureaucrat ever? Who, do we know where his investments are? Do we know what impact and, and what statements he did or what programs he oversaw that might've had the creation of this virus? Um, Why does he even have the decision, the right to make these decisions exactly. over all these other doctors and experts all over the Country. Why is the, just it makes no sense working in civil affairs we always knew that you had to bring all stakeholders in you don't go into an emergency operations center and say okay just hand me the firefighters you go in and you talk to every single asset that you have and then you also incorporate assets that are ancillary that you maybe didn't think about when did a virologist as a matter of fact a failed virologist get to turn around and make policy for the entire country and now we're seeing the impacts that it's had. People who had cancer and missed early detection, children who are going to have a decade of psychological problems. We still have, look at the mixed signals being sent. Now they're being saying, they're saying this from the CDC that masks, cloth masks are just for show. And we have children yeah, yeah. wearing them in schools. They wanted my son who was in speech therapy, who has a, a, a praxis of, of speech, childhood apraxia of speech. They wanted him to, uh, see a speech therapist while we were stationed up at, uh, in Washington, D.C. They wanted him to wear the mask during speech therapy. He couldn't speak, could only make vowel sounds. 
we got to Texas or when I moved the family down here as we were retiring from the army, uh, it's six months, eight months. He, he has a full voice now. I mean, that's insane. And how many times is this being, uh, unrecorded, undocumented across the country. How many millions of children are being impacted by this? this? I mean, this is insane. Well, we have the worst health crisis ever right now. They're saying it's a health crisis. We had the highest level of suicide this year on record. And, uh, you know, I've been saying this. For me, it's very difficult because I've been saying this for <laughs> since it began. And now it's they're reporting, oh, we got this. It's like, well, yeah, we told you this was going to happen and you guys did it anyways. But a lot of people are talking Nuremberg 2.0 because so many people have suffered and there's a, a big push to get our Congress men and women to get behind that and to do it worldwide, but we need the state actors to get involved. Where would you be on something like that? Accountability is the number one thing that we attribute to our leadership. They're not leaders because they define themselves as such. They are people we've chosen to make decisions. Part of that accountability is the willingness to look within one's own party, to look within one's own systems and find honest answers with actual facts. As those facts come out, if they were to show that I don't know, for example, China deliberately closed internal airports, but pushed citizens outside of Wuhan to ensure sort of a mad situation, mutually assured destruction. Um, that sounds a lot like an act of war to me. If Dr. Fauci turned around and knew about gain of function, knew that he wasn't supposed to do it, still did it and hid it under different terminology or asked Webster's to change the definition, if they pushed for a deadly vaccine, and have no doubt, it doesn't matter what the rate is. It, it's still deadly. Drinking too much water is deadly. But the rates at which people are seeing side effects, myocarditis, periocarditis, especially amongst young males, you, cannot, you can no longer argue that it isn't deadly. And as a matter of fact, being as how it's being pushed into a population that pretty much has zero risk. Uh, from a flu that's that's murder that's genocide and yeah it's crimes against humanity absolutely so, so you have to connect the dots and I think it's responsible and I'm so proud of all of the investigative journalists all of the uh, lawyers all of the doctors so many health workers who've stood and towed the line uh, Dr. Zelenko Dr. McCullough who have both Dr. Zelenko I, I've since I've known him and before I knew him has been talking about these issues, but we need to put it down and we need to hold these people accountable and it needs to be done the right way. Uh, but I enjoy being a pit bull and I know that I come across That's a really need. nice guy. And uh, the truth is I am a happy guy. I, I, I love my life. I love people, but I am a tenacious pit bull and I have got Dr. Fauci's number. I cannot wait to bring him in front of committees and answer real questions. I want to know where his investments are. I want to know well, and he I, knew what he knew. I want to know why he was killing puppies, but go ahead. Well, exactly. And what about these protocols in all these hospitals over the country? People don't trust our hospitals. You talked about institutions that we do not trust. We have a whole hospital systems that people don't trust because they stopped using the correct protocols for the flu and pneumonia because they classified COVID 
they could, these, these patients as COVID when they really had pneumonia or flu and they knew the protocol to up their odds of surviving and they have a protocol that isn't working that great and they're censoring the protocols that do work really well. They know they have doctors that have lost almost no one, 6,000 people and saved almost every single patient they've had. Hospital rates of success are nowhere near that. So we have a deep issue here that we need to fix to fix our hospital system. Are you willing to go that mile for the American people to help fix this hospital system? Can I tell you a short story involving uh, my experience around this? Would that be all right? Yes. Yeah. So my, um, my family, uh, when my daughter started kindergarten, uh, came, came down with COVID. Uh, I can say for a fact that we definitely, I had something I've never had before. Um, I, my children tested positive and we're not even going to get into the fact that today PCR tests were identified as being off by up to three months. So someone can have a, a positive COVID test and had it three months ago. So how many deaths have been labeled COVID when they were something else? But let's get past that because it ties in. We took our children, they tested positive. Let me ask you, what was the protocol given to me from uh, the doctors for my children who supposedly had the most deadly disease ever come across by man? How, how many, what was given to us? I have no idea. Nothing, I don't know. Nothing. Wait, is that a white supremacist symbol? I'm zero. That's all I'm saying, okay? Um, what happened when my wife and I got it? What happened? What did the doctors, after we got tested and came up positive? And we were showing, I mean, our, all of us were symptomatic. Uh, my children had fevers at, you know, 101. Um, my wife and I lost sense of taste and smell. We both developed uh, low-grade to mid-grade fevers. What did our doctors tell us? And I'll, I'll save you the answer, nothing. My mother, who's a nurse, uh, has brought up since the very beginning, why is it that not a single remedy is sent home? Not, a, not even drink fluids. That's the answer that was given to us from our medical professionals. Now, I understand they're just practicing medicine, but I might practice that someone might take fluids if they have a flu-like illness. So, yes, your, your, your answer is I, I don't think we should blame individual doctors. We see so many doctors that stood up that eventually I think a lot of them felt like they had no choice, but there are many doctors who didn't. They went along with this uh, charade. They made these decisions, um, and I think that all of them should be held accountable, period. I don't think there is any way to beat around it because they knew all along that there was no, uh, that they were offering zero treatment other than go home and die. And they had to have known how many people were being caught up in the symptoms that they kept adding broadly and how many people were told to stay home from doctors and, and had other serious diseases. Um, that, that's not a violation of the Hippocratic Oath. I don't know what it is. You're exactly right. And that's it's just very, dis Sorry. it's very disturbing. No, this is good. That's very disturbing because there are doctors who tried to do the right thing and were let go or were, you know, so there's a lot to get underneath because if we want to trust our medical system ever again, um, that has to be fixed. Cause I don't know. I can't tell you how many people don't trust the hospital system right now and would rather just die at home than even bring their loved ones there. When I got sick, we didn't call, uh, when my wife and I got it, we didn't even bother. We called our doctor in the minute they told us what they told us. My very first phone call, and, and I, 
I thank God that I literally have these resources available. Uh, but I called, reached out to Dr. Zevzelenko myself personally. He personally uh, was able to get us the prescriptions that we needed um, and able to treat our family using the Zelenko protocol. And, and this is not a paid advertisement. It's, it saved my family. It real. It was, I was the sickest yeah. who have comorbidities and I was better within five days. And I mean, zero symptoms. And that's, but I, not everyone can just pick up the phone and call a world-renowned doctor, right? I mean, and how many doctors who are wonderful doctors were, were run out of town on a, on a rail? Including him. Yeah. I mean, essentially, he was, he was really uh, persecuted. Okay, well, I, I'm so glad that you're willing to go there and fight because you know that you go and fight, you're going to be under the fire Um you know, one of the things Dave Janda said to me when I interviewed him a few years ago, because he was in Washington, D.C. many times, he was the uh, health advisor for three different presidents um, through the years. And he was told personally that be careful about going to any party or, I mean, don't go to any after night, after evening party, because if you're drugged, which happens a lot, you will wake up with uh, somebody in your bed or picture nobody in your bed but pictures laying next to you of you in a something compromising and they will do that to blackmail you you know you have the famous gates case where he would they try to take him down for pedophilia and he was cleared but that's their go-to what are you going to do to make sure that you you know while fighting you don't start to buckle under the pressure and you keep fighting so in my experience, you've learned that the only way to blackmail people is through creating um, either an opportunity they can't refuse, uh, creating a situation in which they cannot hide, or uh, to create motive uh, through ancillary activity. So I would say that uh, we're comfortable. Uh, we are not, uh, I mean, I'm a disabled retired soldier. We're not rich, but we're comfortable. We love our home. Um, we like our used cars, our used American cars. Uh, we, there's nothing you could bribe me with. So, so I'm not worried about that. I'm not worried about someone attacking my family. Uh, thankfully, uh, being, being in Texas means that I know that um, we have a large family that's willing to back us up. So that only leaves the opportunity, as you mentioned, uh, how does someone avoid being put in a position where they can be compromised? And I, and I have a simple answer for that, actually. Uh, I have, I'm bringing my, my brother is, uh, brother from another mother, I would say brother, but in my battle brother, who I've known deployed with, uh, he, he had the opportunity to work as a liaison between the say, as a Senate fellow uh, and work between the Hill and, and the Pentagon for four years. Uh, he understands those traps. He'll be coming with me as my chief of staff. Uh, we're going to create a buffer. Uh, any lobbyists that I meet with, I'm going to immediately uh, release everything that we talked about. There will be no secrets. Therefore, anyone who comes to me will know in advance that there's nothing that is going to be hidden. Uh, I intend on creating a direct link with journalists in my district so that they daily have a briefing on what's happening, who I'm meeting with, and my schedule will always be public. And as for after hours, there should be no after hours in Congress. I'm only going to be up there four days a week because I need to be in the district three days a week where my family's going to be. Uh, so those four days that I'm there, I don't have time for cocktail parties. I'm going to be working 18 hours a day and in the office working with the 
uh, a wonderful staff that we've already put together with wonderful advisors, extremely talented people who know what it is that we plan on doing for six years. And that is creating and crafting workable legislation. I don't have time to go to cocktail parties. Everyone else can go get work done that way. We'll do some team building, make everybody cookies and bring them, and then they can meet the pit bull. But that's just how it has to work. I, I don't, I agree with you that risk sits there. So how about we just eliminate that and we just make everything public? There's no reason to hide anything in Washington. I work for you. Literally, it's your office. It's your office building. For safety reasons, sure, they have security, but I don't see any reason why you can't have a camera right in my office all the time. There's no such thing as secret. There's only sensitive. So if it has to do with military and other things like that, I get that. Um, but there's no reason to hide lobbyists. There's no reason to hide legislation that's being crafted. No reason at all. That's absolutely excellent. I, I think people would find that refreshing and, and uh, you know, based on actions, ho hoping you will follow absolutely. through with that. No, don't join. I tell people, don't trust people ever. If you trust someone, then you, you get complacent. So uh, just constantly hold someone accountable. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but yeah. No, that's perfect. Okay. So talk about your background. Cause you mentioned that you were disabled and I don't think disabled matters at all, unless you're disabled in the mind like Biden, but if you're not <laughs> right, I mean, yeah, I, something I, going on in the mind, but I've made a shift. Go ahead. Touch on that. I've made a shift on this. So do I, I, from his history, I have to say that I, I, disagree with 98% of everything that um, resident Joe Biden has ever said. So politically, I, I, I don't have any love for that man at all. I, 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 as a human being, I love him because I know I have to, I mean, I should, and I want to, I don't know how to say that, but yes, uh, sure, but as a, uh, right now in his current state, I have to say that I, it's moved past humorous into sad and extremely scary, his mental state. Yeah. Uh, you can see it. Uh, it's not funny anymore. Um, I heard rumors and, and other things that, that, that may be being sort of held up, uh, propped up, shall I say. And <clears throat> I, I don't want to, yeah, anyway, the point is I, he's, it's not funny anymore. And we yeah, need it isn't funny. Uh, I agree. Putting around it and we need to talk about it as adults and uh, any person with that much responsibility. Uh, it's fair to say that there should be a not this a nonpartisan issue uh, that the health of people, the mental health of somebody making those decisions is extremely important. You can get into whether or not somebody is irrational. That's that's not up for um, a debate by by people. I, I, it's a question of whether there's an actual mental illness. And if there's an actual illness, uh, degradation of, of mental faculties, I believe that they're presenting those symptoms, it needs to be addressed. And it's responsible to do so. And it shouldn't just lie with a couple of people who are benefiting politically by allowing him to stay in his seat. Because that's what's happening. Well, and somebody who's allowing them to do that, that's treason, because they're putting the entire country at risk. Did you just Nelly? Pardon me. Oh, I forgot the word. I thought you just said Millie. What word did you just? I said, well, I don't like General Millie either, but I said it. I think it's treason. Oh, treason. Doing. I'm sorry. I heard it. It came. No. Millie. <laughs> maybe, maybe because I said treason. Yeah, it's not thought a, of him it's, right away. It's sort of a word association. Whatever Webster's put inside their dictionary is pictures. I, that's how I memorized words in my life. So I, I apologize again. I interrupted. So my disability, uh, I uh, have numerous. I am 100% um, 
I'm 100% disabled by uh, uh, the Veterans Administration and the Army. I was actually medically retired at 19 plus years. Um, should have been about 18 years, but everything that happened with the air quote pandemic uh, slowed everything down. But I uh, was hurt and I sort of had the option to fight it because it's degenerative uh, back conditions. Uh, I, I have a hip that fell apart. Um, I've had some head trauma, uh, just somebody who's been through the ringer, multiple deployments and other things like that. And I was actually going to fight it. I was fighting it. I stalled it a long time because I, I love serving my country. And it sounds so cliche to say that or too hokey, uh, but I, I genuinely love this country uh, so much and so much just to put up with five different presidents. But I, I think we've reached a point where uh, when you're being asked as I was fighting this, when you're not being asked, when you're being told that your entire career, your retirement, your family's um, safety, uh, the ability to feed your family is being taken away from you because it's very hard. You see me moving around a lot. It's hard for me to sit still uh, just due to pain. Uh, but I had an opportunity to stay in and to, to fight that but they came out with this vaccine mandate. And I know that people, and I have plenty of proof that I was talking to many lawyers. I'm, I'm very lucky to have great friends, a great Twitter family. Uh, I was working with Zev to try and get the, how do we write up a letter to prove, I mean, they're not even acknowledging, um, you know, immunity, acquired immunity from, from getting. It. I know. And so many people that I talked to that I knew in the army and then the Marine Corps, cause I'd served in both were talking to me saying, what do we do right now? Uh, you know, I, I was successfully avoided getting the anthrax vaccine when I deployed, uh, because I have this very rare and very minor, uh, uh, skin thing. And they said, Oh, we can't give it to you. So I lucked out there, but why are we being, why are great men and women being forced out of the armed services. These are senior people. These are people you don't, these are break glass in case of emergency site type people with all of the knowledge they have being given no option. A lot of them are leaving without a retirement. And I was able to quickly step on the gas pedal and push through getting out. This is how close it is. I'm actually getting out January 29th. I'm on what's known as terminal leave right now. And the court marshals will start on January 30th. That is why I chose January 29th. I'm giving up income to do this. So I had to force through my retirement. And I know people are going to say, well, you didn't have to retire. You could have taken the vaccine. Well, look what the well, look what's come out in the short amount of time since we started fighting this and me getting accelerating to get out, which would have been in the summer. It took me six, seven months to get out. In that time frame, we've gone from everyone's going to die and children need to be held down and vaccinated, special needs children in California, if you've seen the videos. It's awful. It's awful. We need to do that to now all of a sudden they're admitting that, well, folks, the federal government can't do anything. You're going to get Omicron and it's a minor headache. Congratulations. How did our government allow that to happen? People say you can't go back and fix the past. I don't know, time of the election, whatever. This is something that's happening right now. We need to go fix this right now. People need to be held accountable right now. There are people who have lost their careers. I can't tell you how many hundreds of people I know. Down here in Texas, they're insulated. A lot of people are, but many people weren't, especially in the medical care setting. This is, we've been, we've been othered 
It's something straight out of 1984. It's an Orwellian concept that we used to joke about. And this is what's really happened. And it's not a conspiracy anymore. Everyday facts are coming out. These are not conspiracies. It's the truth. It sucks. It hurts. And we need to rip this Band-Aid off and talk about what we just, what we just went through and what's happening right now. Because pharmaceutical companies need to be drawn up in front of Congress and people need to be held accountable personally. So I take the subject very passionately. It may not be the legislative priority of everyone, but there are root causes to how we've lost so many civil liberties this year. And we are not Australian. I don't want to get there. Well, okay. Well, that gets back to the point where, you know, people say, well, it's in the past and they have, they're really, really good about appeasing, but just if we don't fix this, they will do it again. Cause I believe, you know, you said it's not a conspiracy. That means that they did, this was planned because the hospital stopped using the protocol. They were forcing this vaccine on everybody. There's tie-ins to the World Economic Forum. All these countries are doing the same stuff in lockstep. I know that sounds conspiratorial, but it's true. And so if we don't get to the bottom of this, these same people are gonna do it again. If you let a human trafficker go, they're gonna do it again. If you allow a serial killer out, they're gonna do it again. People who commit crimes continue to commit crimes until you force them to stop. Well, they're so, going to they're, go they're turn around and they're going to, uh, I mean, when you turn on the lights, roaches scurry, right? And the biggest roaches are going to plug up the holes. They don't want anyone else in there eating whatever food they've stored up. These are, these are nasty people. And there are a lot of people who are going to get left hanging in the wind when the people who are able to insulate themselves from this do. The question is, are we willing to go and have follow through? Are we willing to do the hard work of following through while still doing what's needed to move forward? And I, I, what you're saying is we, we've created a new high watermark in the uh, ability of our government to restrict and take away our uh, civil liberties, our constitutional rights. That is not there's no such thing. And by saying that, it's like saying it was okay to intern the Japanese in World War II. I mean, Japanese American citizens. It's saying it's okay to segregate the military by race because, you know, we have decision to, you know, we, we have this new information I believe is scientifically accurate. They used to say that black people had smaller brains. Think about that. That was science. It's ludicrous. Othering people is one of the most dangerous things you can do, and we need to hold people responsible for that. We absolutely have to go and treat it like we did after World War II when we went looking for Nazis in South America. And I'm not calling these people Nazis, but I'm not not calling them Nazis. Well, we don't know what they are, and well, we sort of, some of us do. We've created, you know, uh, adjectives for them. But it doesn't matter because it's the crime that they committed that we need to go after because otherwise they're going to keep doing it. Uh, you know, that's why I'm looking for people who are willing to make that fight. And my listeners want people who are willing to fight. So let's talk about a couple other issues because it seems like they're trying to take down our country from the inside. They, you know, there's so many issues. I mean, I could go on and on about what they're, what is going on from the inside, but let's talk about one, which is immigration. I keep getting reports and I've published reports of these at night immigrants being flown all over the country 
where people can't track them because they're at night. DeSantis had something like 70 some flights that he recorded of immigrants. A lot of them are just our children that go missing. These people are crazy and they're supporting it. What is going on? You coming from Texas, I'm sure you're well informed with the immigration issue. I, not, my, my background has really been looking at human trafficking. I know that's a human trafficking front. They're paying $3,500 per child to bring them over and they're not stopping that. So I'm horrified. So what would you do on that front? So the thing about, it's very easy for people when they talk about immigration to make it uh, uh, a polarizing statement and, and try and draw in votes and try and uh, push money towards their cause. These are simple human rights questions and they are simple legal questions. First of all, are we a country with a border or no border? If we have a border, then the question is, are we a nation of laws? Sarah, you can't walk outside and throw a brick off of the freeway right now. It, it doesn't matter if it hits somebody and hurts somebody or not, right? I mean, it's just the fact that we know that there's a chance. I think it's the same thing when you talk about any of these other uh, laws. Sure, there might be great people who just want a better chance. And there's many root causes to how we could sit there and uh, allow them with the resources they have where they came from to improve their lives. And that's, that's a part of the larger immigration debate. But when you just open up your borders and you allow anyone to pour through, you're talking about everything from, sure, those hardworking people who see this as an opportunity to drug traffickers, to I mean, we know it's happening. Child smuggling is a thing. It's it, child trafficking, uh, uh, especially for sexual exploitation, is not a, a, a rare concept. As a matter of fact, people who scream about uh, racism and white supremacy or, or black supremacy or anybody, I will tell you that there are far more concrete and proven cases of child sexual trafficking in this country than there are any of those things put together. It's insane that it is not a screaming, blaring headline uh, and something that we want to address. But like you said, instead, we're just shipping them around the country and letting them disappear. Uh, and that's irresponsible. It's morally reprehensible. Uh, well, if they're not tracked, correct, then they can, it's the ones that are not tracked that are the most vulnerable. How many, how many old facilities do we have, military facilities that are sitting in communities that have the infrastructure that we could actually house people. I'm not talking about tent cities. I'm talking about holding people the same way you would in any sort of refugee situation. Now they should be staying on the other side of the border period. Uh, it's, it's the ability that, that to cross over the country. It's not about human rights for the immigration aspect. At that point, you're talking about allowing human trafficking. Because again, once they cross the border, they have now trafficked another human or they're trafficking drugs. Even if they're just dropping these things off, uh, it's still adding to the problems at the border. So those things have to be addressed. And it's not something that's going to be done with a quick fix. It's going to require tedious work. The hard work yes. most people, quite frankly, don't want to do in Washington because there are so many stakeholders involved and you're going to have to keep the pressure on them to keep working during uh, off election cycles during years when no one's paying attention to it, reestablish the infrastructure we have um, and, and fix the judicial backlogs we have. And finally, uh, work with our partners in North and South America to really eliminate the narco trades through uh, great um, 
they're doing great efforts right now in certain countries to eliminate uh, the, the bank accounts, basically doing what Italy did. They're taking advisors and they're able to turn around and, and cut cartels off at the knees. But all of these things need to be included. It doesn't mean, for example, that we don't stop hunting down uh, child predators in this country, which are the end of that. But we have to go to both and we have to continue to go in the middle and address it. And we just, we have to be relentless. These are children. These are uh, children yes. that are being trafficked. And even more importantly, these are children who are uh, living in these border towns who have to deal with the violence that is spilling over uh, cartels running, running machine gun battles and, and rounds just landing in hillsides and kids trying to go to school in that environment. I mean, this is not just a Texas issue. It's not just an American issue. Uh, but as a parent, it's a human issue. It's something that affects me deeply. And I think it probably affects you deeply as well to hear these stories, to see these uh, uh, videos and to hear it be ignored by our government is, is unacceptable.